Hello and welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined by Jonathan van Dugba and we're here to talk about some of the European matches uh, this Thursday. They're going on some huge fixtures um, in Europa League uh, qualifying. So, uh, Jonathan, how's it going? Hi everybody. Hi Steve. It's been a while. Happy International Podcast Day. Uh, yes, in the era of meaningless sort of hashtag celebratory anniversaries, apparently today is an International Podcast Day. I was talking to my good friend Steve there. Said to him, "Should we do a little cheeky, cheeky sort of international podcast episode?" And he he was up for it. So here we are. We've got a bonus uh, episode for you. This is literally just going to be about European football, and we're going to just catch up. Uh, hope you guys are all well, keeping well, and enjoying football in the Scandinavian region, Norway and Sweden. And we're here to talk about the Europa Games. There's been some really extensive European and really exciting European action, hasn't there? Steve in the last few weeks so we're going to talk about that in this uh, in this bonus episode yeah I mean the last episode I did was uh, talk with this Scottish expert Uncle Barry Finn about the uh, Viking Aberdeen game he actually predicted the 2-0 correct score exactly in that game that was a well-received podcast I know the European matches are generally yeah, it was a lot of interest in them and uh, yeah we haven't probably as been as active as we'd want to be recently but so here we are uh, with uh, some big games um, and with specifically three to talk about uh, Rosenborg against PSV Eindhoven, Malmo against Granada, and we a uh, big one also for Faroe Ease Football Dundalk uh, Irish side against Klaxvik. So, can a team from the Faroe Islands make the Europa League group stage for the first time? Um, so, looking forward to talk about the, those games, aren't we, Jonathan? We are indeed, but there's only one real place to start, isn't there? And that's the previous round because. We did tweet about some of the games in the past round and there were some really exciting games, weren't there, Steve? And I think the, the only place really to start this episode before we preview the upcoming matches is that, that Buda glimpse against Milan game. It really was a classic of the ages for, for sort of Norwegian football, wasn't it? It really caused a huge amount of um, a big stir in Norway. Uh, it was a really exciting game against the you know European giant in Milan at the San Siro. Uh, I watched the game and you know I'm sure you had it tuned in as well, Steve. What... what you know, I can obviously comment on the game if you like, but let's just begin with your overall impressions of Glimt in that game against Milan and, and, and what's been the reaction, you know, since that match as well? Oh, they gave a great account of themselves, didn't they? You know, I was watching Mulder in the Champions League the last couple of weeks and they got knocked out and they put up a good performance. But how it's amazing the amount of times the actual best team in the country isn't actually involved in, in the matches that they should be. Like if Buda Glimt were in, Champions League qualifying, I think there's be a very good chance they make the Champions League group stages this season. You know what I mean? And it's such a shame that they ended up facing a side like Milan. A shame in terms of progression. Um, and it was just one match because they went there to the San Siro, they took the lead. You know, Jens Better Horger has put in an amazing performance on the big stage, the biggest stadium against one of the top teams, you know, in Europe. And um and he just absolutely tore them apart at times, hasn't he? Um, with a great assist, a goal, loads of other stuff. So much so they're going to they're gonna sign him. Uh, but Glint as a whole, they put up a great performance. I thought just the second part of the first half is when they kind of lost grip on the game. But in the second half, they really came back strong and they should have equalised a, a huge miss at the end. But they put up a fantastic, a great uh, advertisement for Norwegian football. And uh, it's a real shame to see them out. It really is, because I think they deserve at least... Uh, a chance to showcase themselves on the in the group stage. 
Yeah, the game ended 3-2 in the San Siro, an iconic stadium. I've been to that stadium, by the way, and it was one of my all-time favourite memories um, in football, watching football. Uh, I went to the Manchester United, AC Milan, 2007, Ricardo Kaká, when he tore Man United apart 3-0. One of the best, most atmospheric games I've ever seen in my life at the San Siro. Um, so, you know, it, it's a, it was a real shame, obviously, no fans, but for Glimt, a, a historic moment for them. Really gave them gave a good account of themselves, didn't they? As well, they, they were not out of it at all. You know, it was one all. Uh, they took the lead. Um, then it was one all. Hakan Chelanoglu did really well. Yeah. Then Jens Petagor, as you mentioned, it was three went to three one, and Jens Petagor reduced the deficit. Really nice goal. And yeah, there was a massive miss, wasn't there, at the end from uh, Sultan? Ninety first minute, centre of the goal. Chance to make it 3-3. A real shame, but, you know, you can't really knock him. You can't knock anyone in that glimpse side, can you? A fantastic achievement. Um, everyone has to be really proud of their efforts. Like you say, a shame. They couldn't quite make it to the maybe the group stages or, or like you say, maybe next year, even the Champions League, they could maybe make it to the group stages. But um, one of the outcomes of that game, isn't it, Steve? The the, the nature of football, that's uh, the circle of life, isn't it? A bit like the Lion King or, you know, one of those sort of... Uh, Animal Planet type David Attenborough documentaries. Survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest. The the big eat the small, and uh, no sooner had that game finished than uh, AC Milan were in contact with Jens Petterhauger's agent and uh, getting getting him on a plane to Milan, weren't they? So, firstly, tell us about that deal, Steve, and your impressions of the deal. You know, we've written about him before on Wise Scouts, so maybe you can talk a little bit about that uh, and your overall impressions, and then. Also, just let us know, you know, is there an estimated fee, that kind of thing? And um, do you think this Glimp team is about to get ripped apart, you know, with other players maybe leaving? Um, yes, I think it will get ripped apart, mostly at the end of the season. But, uh, I mean, this Jens Petterhorger deal to AC Milan is an interesting one. Now, you ain't telling me they're just signing him because of what he did in one match. They would have been following this player over a period of time, surely. If they're signing him on what, based on what they saw, then. I would almost love that because it's almost like something teams would do in the past, isn't it? But um, I'd imagine they've done the homework on him. Um, they know what they're getting. And yeah, just I've done an article on him before, the White Scout blog, check that out. Fantastic player. I mean, 5 million euros is the fee that's been talked about, which is, I, for me, that is unbelievably cheap. Now, this is a player that we know has been scouted by some of the top clubs in Europe. Uh, Manchester United, for an example. I'm sure other Premier League clubs have been interested as well now for five million why have none of these other clubs come in for him because that is a nothing price right it's it's just pen it's peanuts right you anyone can spend that and it's got decent money and and what what can you lose by by spending such a little fee you know i don't get it i think milan have got a cracking deal on their hands there and i just um feel like um i hope it, it works out for the player because uh, he does need game time um, even if it's just off the bench, but he needs a good environment for quality coaching and stuff like that, which I'm sure he'll get in Milan. I think they're getting a, a tremendous player on their hands, really. And I'm just surprised that he's kind of other sides of letting go a bit. You know, I really feel like uh, this is a player that five million euros, I think, was similar to what Erlingbrough Haaland was sold to Salzburg for. Right? Um, it's difficult to compare the players, but honestly, Jens Patahaga can be better than Erling Brat-Harland. It's as simple as that, in my opinion. That's a massive statement, to be honest. Um, real, I mean, I'm, I know he tore that game up, but I, yeah, that, I think that's a big statement. 
um, fair play. You know, you back your opinion. 20-year-old player. Uh, he arrived at Casa Milan with Ivan uh, Gazidis, the former Arsenal director, who's now at AC Milan, and the contract signing is imminent, we're told. Um, by the time you listen to this, probably he might even be unveiled as an AC Milan player. You know, a really historic move. You know, he'll be joining Zlatan Ibrahimovic, of course, who's already there, the Swede, and will join, you know, players like Yondal Thomason, you know, who's played for AC Milan and other great sort of Scandinavians of the past. And we'll see how he gets on. So, yeah, I mean, I know for a fact that there were teams around Europe looking at him, you know, in, in sort of Germany, Netherlands, um, even England. You've said there that you think five million is a no-brainer. I mean, if you think he's going to be better than Haaland, that is a massive statement. So, um, you know, good luck. And uh, any AC Milan fans listening, you know, it sounds like you got yourself a, a player. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, right, I'll just... I'll go back to the team that I support, Leeds United. Now, if we if we signed that player today, I would be delighted because the two wingers we've got at the minute, uh, Helder Costa and Jack Harrison, I would ask myself a question. Is Jens Petterhager better than them or as good as them? And I'll tell you what, he's he's nearly as good. You know, that is the sort of level. If he, he could probably start for Leeds United in the Premier League nearly. So if that's the case, then... You know, already only 20 year old and he can develop. I, I, I tell you what, the sky's the limit for him. And it's um, it's difficult to compare the positions for Holland and, and Hager. And maybe i am li- been a little bit sensational there because Jens Peter Hager's in my head at the minute quite a lot. But I really feel in that position that he's in, he could become absolutely world class. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be, um, it's, hopefully, it's going to work out for Milan and, and for, for the player. But uh, well, let's go back to Europa League matters um themselves and uh, there was i mean sweden's not had it great has it in the europa league qualifiers this this round i know malmo are still there but Jurgen, um i mean the last time i was saying they were just only getting past the gibraltar team but it, it, it all went wrong last week didn't it yeah i mean as we move on to sweden just before we talk about uh, uh the europa games any milan fans who might be listening or anyone you know who follow scandinavian football will will remember the famous Gren Lee trio, Gunnar Gren, Gunnar Nordal, Nils Lindholm, Nils, Le- Nils Liedholm, sorry, at uh, AC Milan back in the 1950s, an iconic trio uh, who led Sweden to Olympic gold and, you know, played for the Swedish national team and also played for AC Milan. So there is a proud history there um, of sort of Scandinavian footballers in, you know, the, the um, Ross, is it Rossoneri or Ross? Yeah, Rossoneri. Yeah, Rossoneri. Uh, in the red and black, anyway, of the, that historic kit of AC Milan. And, uh, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll be tuning in for some Italian Serie A games to see how Hauger gets on with Zlatan. But, um, yeah, in terms of the Osvenskan teams in, in Europe, it's not been a great, really, outcome for, for a lot of them. I watched the Jurgen uh, Cluj game. Um, Cluj, obviously, a Romanian side managed by Dan Petrescu, who, by the way, is looking a little bit, you know, sort of you realise how you're getting old when you see Dan Petrescu with a bit of a sort of gruffled beard and, <laughs> you know, a bit, bit of flab and you know, sort of just a lot of grey hair about him, um, chubby cheeks. You know, I remember him as a sort of marauding right back or full back at uh, sorry, right or left back at Chelsea, um, in the 90s in that sort of classic Chelsea kit. Um, tells you how time really does fly, doesn't it? But he's the manager of Cluj and uh, they played your garden in Stockholm. Your garden lost the game one nil. Uh, the game, the goal came from a, a set piece. It was sort of a it was difficult. You know, game, Jurgen were in it at times. Um, you know, Vinicius scored a towering header in the 56th minute. I thought Jurgen were in it at times and played some nice football. But um, 
just didn't take advantage of their opportunities. And there was a bit of a kerfuffle after the game. Uh, their manager of Duo Garden, the joint managers, they were really unhappy with the refereeing. Um, they felt that the refereeing was really, really harsh. There were comments that they played against 12 men, um, that kind of thing. And, that, you know, I think Cluj were just a little bit more savvy, to be honest, in that sense. There was, you know, there were quite a few fouls, but but um, I liken it to sort of, remind you know, kind of like a Sergio Ramos at Real Madrid type thing where you sometimes get just teams that are really savvy, aren't they? They know when to make a foul. They know when to kill a game. They know when to kill the tempo. They know when to frustrate their opponent. And I just thought Eurogarden didn't really have that answer. They were bit, they're just a bit too green, I thought, a bit, bit, bit sort of um, bit wet behind the ears in, in that sense. You know, quite a young team, Dual Garden, they're re- regenerating, um, having an okay season, you know, not really challenging at the top, but, you know, doing okay in Osvenskan, but they just didn't quite have that nous to, to, to beat. They, they did have opportunities, though, so I think they will regret it, but um, just didn't have that firepower that they lack. they've lacked kind of all season, in my opinion. Um, and, yeah, that nous that they kind of lack. So they went out losing to Cluj. Big shame. But that takes us on to the teams that are in it, I suppose, doesn't it? And we've got uh, some previews coming up now. Of course, Malmo do have a chance with the game coming up today. Yeah, we're going to start with Malmo against Granada. Then I think that's probably not a bad place to start. I mean, I've got to be honest, I don't know very much about Spanish football these days. Um, I, I mean, I, my, my reaction when you told me Granada were playing Malmo, I'm like, our Granada in, in the Europa League. I mean, they always feel like the sort of side they were in the relegation battle in La Liga, but they must be doing something right to be in this uh, position. But um, I mean, how do you see this game going? Well, it'll be a, it'll be a tough game. Uh, Malmo battered their last opponent. Um, they've been they've been you know looking good. I think they're in a good situation to get um, to win the title. You know, in Osvenskan, it's looking like they are gonna they are gonna win the league, and they beat Lokomotiva Zagreb five nil. In the last round, so you know, in in fairness to them, they've they've looked pretty good. You know, I was I had question marks about them, um, you know, in previous in preseason that kind of thing. I wasn't sure if Thomason would really get the best out of them. You know, with Uwe Rosler having left, but he really has done well. Um, Kisa Tellin has been a, Isaac Kisa Tellin has been a really really good signing. He won Player of the Round in Osvenskan last week, and he scored two goals against. Uh, Lokomotiva Zagreb within the first 20 minutes. Adi Nalic scored, Eric Larson, and then Soren Reeks. They just they've got a bit of swagger about them. Uh, Malmo at this moment in time, you know, just from winning games, they, they're sort of clear at the top of the league. Uh, just beat Hacken as well in the, in the sort of top of the table clash. It'll be a tough game, uh, but you know, Granada is a massive game to be honest. Uh, but it, it is a really really important game for Malmo when you look at the finances it could bring as well. You know, just so. You know, just for those who are listening, who you know, if you're aware, there's a massive pot at stake for sort of Swedish and you know Norwegian teams, isn't there? And you know, North, Scandinavian teams in general. The Europa League prize money may, means a lot. Um, if you look at sort of English football, for example, a Manchester United or a, an Arsenal or um, you know, who's in the Europa League? to see Arsenal and a couple of other teams. Wolves aren't even in it, are they? But teams like Wolves the prize money probably doesn't make a huge difference to their general incomings and revenues. But for teams in Scandinavia, they make a massive difference. Already so far, just for getting to the uh, playoff round, teams will make 1.2 million euros. Um, and if they're able to win this game, you know, the base fee for getting to the group stages is 2.9 million euros. Uh, and for every group match victory, you get 570,000 euros. 
for every draw, you get 190,000 euros. And if you win the group, obviously, you get a million euros extra. So um, that's based on last season's prize pot. I know maybe there might be slightly less prize pot this season because of the, um, the situation, the pandemic and, and reduced fees. But um, for a team like Malmo, the opportunity to make, you know, even that million and for getting into the group stage, you know, if you take, if you take that, th- what's that's 3.9 million for getting to the group stage, that's 10% roughly of Malmo's revenue for 2019. So that tells you already, you know, that's a huge amount of money uh, for a club like Malmo. Um, it would, you know, equate to sort of th- their revenues were around 30 million pounds in 2019 before transfer sales. Yeah. So okay. you know, you look at it 10%. I mean, I'm just looking at the bookmakers' odds for this game, and Granada are actually odds-on to win the game in some parts, which seems very strange to me. Like, they must actually have some decent players for the bookmakers to be so short on them. I mean, I would have Malmo as at least as a 50-50 chance here in the stalwarts of European competition. It is in Sweden itself. Yeah, there's no fans, but, I mean, is this... Granada probably not to be underestimated, perhaps. Well, it's the, it's the Liga, isn't it? It's the, it's the number one league in, in Europe in terms of sort of UEFA coefficients and that kind of thing. You know, the perennial winners of this competition have come from, seem to come from Spain, you know, Sevilla. Sevilla dominate the competition. Uh, they beat Lokomotiv Tbilisi 2 0 in their last round. Um, they've got players, they've got decent players. They've got Roberto Saldado. I mean, I watched some of their game against um, Atletico Madrid where they lost 6 1. Um, they got absolutely battered by them in 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 La Liga in the opening one of the opening rounds of the season. Um, but they've got decent players, you know. They've got Jesus Vallejo at centre back. Uh, he is a you know he used to be at Real Madrid. Um, you know he's still a young player to be honest. They've got Roberto Soldado up front, as I've said. Uh, Kennedy, who you know was at Chelsea, I think he's still probably owned by Chelsea. Uh, I think he's on he's on maybe on loan, but um, you know he's a sort of left footed player who can who can cut inside play on either wing. Can even play as a fullback if if needed. Um, they've got Maxime Gonalon, Steve. You'll remember him. Yeah, um, player. He's thirty-one now. So they've got that now that a team like Malmo probably doesn't quite have, do they? Uh, so I think it's fair to have them as favourites. But Malmo are going to be up for this. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And I think Malmo come into it in a they're in a good place. If that makes sense, you know. Usually you might say you wouldn't give them a chance, but I think. The, the success they've had in recent weeks, um, you can maybe just increase their chances a little bit. But I would still have Granada just because of the, the, the pedigree in La Liga. I'd still have them as favourites. I'm just looking now. They actually finished seventh last season in La Liga to get them this spot. I mean, that just doesn't feel right to me. It almost feels like something out of football manager. Granada in seventh place in La Liga feels wrong. But they must be decent. Started the season with two out of three wins. But you know what? There's something about European nous sometimes, if you know what I mean. Like, they don't have that. And it, uh, it's a shame. If there was fans in this stadium, I think it would be a very, very tricky night for Granada. So, um, it, uh, it's, it's, I think it's still going to be tough because Malmo are not an easy um, nut to crack. You know, what sort of approach are they going to have that could cause Granada problems here? How good are Malmo right now? Yeah, well, I think you're totally right to suggest that. Um, 100% that, you know, if there was fans in this game, you know, Malmo is a really is a, is a really passionate stadium, uh, you know, and their fans are sort of, they demand success. 
and they create a nice atmosphere down there. You know, um, anyone who's sort of seen the desecration of that Zlatan statue will know, <laughs> you know, that um, this sort of, uh, you know, you don't want to mess up, you don't want to mess with the Malmo fans, let's put it that way. Um, there's been a lot of talk in this game beforehand because uh, there's been some sort of dodgy dodginess going on. Um, Granada had a big argument with their sponsors um, because of a, a dodgy sort of heat map, which uh, let's just say, you know, you get those sort of heat maps where it's the, the sort of joke heat maps. Yeah. Sort of heat map of Jao Felix against Atletico because uh, Jao Felix scored a couple of goals and really dominated that game in the 6-1 win. And it was basically a picture of, uh, well, you can imagine what Jao Felix was doing to Granada on that heat map. But uh, it was actually a sponsor that tweeted it. Um, it was really good by its own sponsor, Winamax Deportes. So it caused a massive, uh, you know, argument <laughs> in Granada, and it was deleted. But you know, they've sort of said that they might even take act- legal action against them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, that game obviously left a bit of a bad, bad taste. Um, but uh, in general, you know, Malmo, there's been a lot of talk before this match about their secret weapon, which is um, their throw-ins. Now, Jonas Knudsen, who uh, used to play for Ipswich Town. There's been a lot of talk about him and um, this sort of throwing technique that they hope can be decisive. And, you know, they're, they're basically going to try and use set pieces in this match as a secret weapon for them. And Knudsen down that, you know, as a left-back, he'll, he'll be key to that. He, he sort of gets on those throw-ins um, against Krakowia in the Europa League qualifier. He, one of his throw-ins led to a goal after 23 seconds. Again, against Beko Hakan as well, he, he had a throw which caused big problems. Um, one of them obviously led to a goal. Um, so there's a lot of um, talk about the throw-ins and that kind of thing, you know, and, and Knudsen himself has said, you know, we can't play tiki-taka every week. We want to be organised and we have to be well organised as many Swedish teams are, but sometimes you need to open up a match. So look out for sort of throw-ins if you're watching the game. If you're a Granada fan, you know, they're going to have to keep an eye on that sort of Tony Pulis style. Uh, and that will be something they'll look to do, get on set pieces, you know, second balls. They'll look to rough up Granada. I think that's the kind of game plan. It will be um, get them out of their comfort zone and don't allow Granada to sort of start playing their kind of um, their, their football because if they do with the sort of technical players they have, then it, it, it could be a difficult night for Malmo. But certainly they're in with a chance. They're in really good form. Confidence is high. Um, I think it'll be, a, it'll be a good game. It'll definitely be worth watching, in my opinion. So we're going to get a prediction from you for this game. <laughs> well, you know I don't do predictions, but um, that's why I asked you. Yeah. <laughs> so one. I, I, think, I think I think maybe Granada two one. If you're going to put me on the spot like that, but um, Kisa Tellen's in really good form, like I've said. So you know, if they if they get into it, you never know. But yeah, I, I think Granada are rightly favourites. So I'm going to say two one Granada. So that is a 6 p.m. kickoff UK time, Malmo against Granada. Same time, Rosenborger against PSV Eindhoven. Uh, a similar situation there. We've got the away team, our favourites, uh, odds on about one point, about three to four favourites, um, which I, I feel is deserved for PSV. I don't know too much about them, but I would imagine they've got the quality here. But it's an interesting adventure for Rosenborg because for me, like I've always been quite a strong supporter of Rosenborg in Europe. Even back in the days when I used to watch Champions League as a kid on TV with um, oh, the old manager Niels Arne Egan as manager. Um, and I guess in recent times, I've always kind of supported them in Europe as well. Even though you know sometimes in the league, I've 
been like, oh, I hope someone beats them. But in, in Europe, I've always kind of had something. And I go back to that Ajax match a few years ago. Do you remember that one where Samuel Adimbenro went wild on them and they qualified for the yeah. Europa League? And, and I remember you said that night, it was one of the loudest roars you've ever heard in recent times. And uh, when he scored that late goal. But um, yeah, this is an interesting one from Rosenborg. And uh, they, they have good European nows in a way. They always give it a good shot. And this is going to be a, quite an interesting game, I think. They, they, last, last week, they scraped past the Turkish side 1-0, but they really wanted it. And I'm intrigued by this game. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, just to add, I'm definitely, although, my, although my prediction there for Granada is, you know, maybe I, I give them the edge. I'm definitely supporting Malmo in this. I, I want a Swedish team in the in the uh, Europa League group stages. So, you know, good luck to Malmo and I hope they hope they can go through. And it sounds like you're also going to be supporting uh, Rosenberg there to get through. PSV, I've got to say, are a, you know, a, a big team, aren't they? They're, they're a sort of a giant of European football, um, certainly from a Dutch perspective, one of the top three you know, teams in that league. Um, historically, it could be a big scalp. I mean, I guess the first question for you, Steve, on this game is how, how important is it with the finances? You know, just as I mentioned there with, with Malmo, who were expected to make a record loss, by the way, this season. Um, is it a similar situation with Rosenborg? You know, how big is it to get to those, to the group stage? It's big. I mean, you've got Mulder, who were just away goals from qualifying for the Champions League, which is worth 10 million, I do believe. I'm not sure how much the Europa League group stages are worth, but Mulder are in them. Um, and financially, have uh, done very well recently, if you combine that with like the sale of Haaland a couple of years ago. Rosenborg, obviously, traditionally the biggest club in, in Norway in, in the last two, three decades. I don't know whether they budget for, for actually qualifying for these you know group stages of, of Europe. I don't think they can really, um, but they you know they've been they're not they're never shy of flinging some money about for players that it would certainly do them some good. I mean I think they've got the long the long term sort of stable finances that they don't necessarily have to have it, but it, they certainly wouldn't turn it down. Um, and uh, you know I think it's going to be a difficult game for them because fundamentally how good are Rosenborg right now? They're, they're probably only what for third or even fourth best side in Norway at the minute, but. They've got good play. They've got decent players on the field. They've got Marcus Henriksen probably going to make his debut here. Well, I'm the ex-Hull man. Um, you know, nearly 60 Norwegian caps. And, um, you know, I think if, there was, if this was a two-legged affair and they had, or a one-legged affair with fans, it might be a different story. But um, <clears throat> don't underestimate these sides that, that want it a lot. It really felt last week against the, the Turkish side. I think it's Alan Aspor. Um, that was the difference. I just felt Rosenborg wanted it more. They were fighting hard and they just had a little bit of extra European nows, but they're going to have to get a bit lucky or play really, really, really well to beat PSV, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, the first place, like you said, they beat Alania Spore last week, 1-0 Rosenborg. Anders Conradson with a goal, your man there. But then he, he got sent off, didn't he, in the 66 minutes. So um, he's set to miss the game, I imagine. They actually met each other in the Europa League group stages last season, didn't they? Um, it was a 4-1 game and then a one all draw. But uh, Rosenberg have lost, lost a couple of players, haven't they? They've lost uh, your man, Borven. Yeah, Turkey Borven's gone. He's been sold to a Turkish side today. I can't remember which one. They're all something spore, aren't they, over there? And, um, and Karaguku, actually. Right. <laughs> well, that's what I said. I mean, I... You had, you, you had about a 90% chance of getting it, but you picked the one team. All right. Well, I knew it wasn't one of the, the big teams in Istanbul. So, yeah, 250,000 uh, euros, apparently. 
I mean, it's a good deal for these. T- I mean, these Turkish sides just raid Norway, and it pisses me off to be honest. Like every all the time, like constantly, it's like one route to Turkey, and that's it. But it's a weird one with Berman, isn't it? He let his contract run out at odd, then he goes to Rudenborg for free, and now they're selling for two hundred and fifty thousand. Like, ugh. I guess he needed he, if, if the money. He can't turn that down. He maybe felt like this is the right sort of career move. He wasn't really getting that much game time at Rosenborg. It seems like Islamovic has come more into favour recently and kind of suits their system more. I mean, I still think you don't want to lose a player like Turga Bervan because he's, he's so good domestically. Um, I mean, he's probably a good signing for the Turkish club, isn't it? But whether it's a good career move, I don't know. These players tend to end up back in Scandinavia within 12 months or within 18 months, don't they? But uh, a bit of a weird one. Um, but very, you know, the amount of Turkish teams that say that sign these players from Norway is ridiculous. Well, we have had um, people on the show in the past who've played in Turkey, haven't we? I think didn't didn't. Um, I mean, Asgar. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you never know. But um, you know, in terms of PSV Eindhoven, you know, I, I've seen them a little bit. So you know, maybe I can comment on them um, if you'd like in terms of their players to watch out for. There's been some comments from Reggie Newson before this game. Tori Reggie Newson, who said, it's guaranteed to be a tough match. It's a good team with good individual players and a lot of speed. At the same time, it is a relatively young team and it is possible to punish them. We get to test ourselves against a team that maintains a very good European level and we have to be at our very best to move on. I mean, I don't know if you've got questions from me about PSV, Steve, but what's your you know, gut instinct on, on this game for, in terms of reasonable? And my gut instinct, How- PSV will have too much. I think, um, like I say, I think uh, they're just not that great a side at the minute. They've, they've got a new manager recently. They're still kind of bedding things in. Their defence looks too vulnerable to me. Like the clean sheet against Alin Niaspor last week, that's a bit of a rarity for Rosenborg. They look too vulnerable at the back for me. Yeah, Toro Reginiusen's an old dog, but he's he's no spring chicken now, nearly 35 years old. He could get caught on the on the break, potentially. His, his position is going to have to be spot on against PSV, I mean, I just feel that it's a defence that can be exposed, especially, you say they're a fast side, then, um, you know, if, if that's one of their biggest strengths, are they good out wide, for example? I think if they're good out wide, they could really cause problems for, for Rosenborg. Um, you know, the Rosenborg will be better off facing sort of physical sides, you know, like a target man or or, or sides that the you know, physical strength rather than fast and, 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 and quick. So what do you, I mean, PSV, what are their biggest strengths? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't claim to watch them a huge amount, but they're managed by um, Roger Schmidt, who's got quite a reputation um, in Europe for being sort of a forward-thinking manager. You know, he's 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 done decent things in his career to date, and he's taken that PSV job. A lot of sort of people are, are looking at him. A lot of kind of hipsters are saying that you know he's he because he's there, there'll be a team to watch this season if that makes sense. A lot of emphasis on um, their tactics and that kind of thing. He's a manager who, you know, likes to play that attacking style. You know, there's a lot. Of, you know, there's a lot of talk about him. He was at Bayer Leverkusen. I don't know if you remember him at all, Steve. If you've heard of him, he was also at RB Salzburg. So he's got a bit of a reputation, a bit of pedigree. Um, one player that is just they've signed from the French league, Ibrahim Sangare from Toulouse, who was quite highly rated, wasn't he? They just signed him for nine million euros. Um, there was a lot of talks that he might end up in the Premier League, but nobody really bit on him in the end. I'm not sure if he's eligible to to feature in this match. Um, but yeah, in their last game, they beat FC M- NS Mura 5-1. 
they had sort of Donny O'Malley on the score sheet. Cody Gakpo um, scored two. And yeah, Donny O'Malley scored two. And Mauro Junior scored two. They always tend to have decent Brazilian players as well. So that kind of thing. Um, Cody Gakpo is a player to definitely look out for. I quite like him, what I've seen of him. He's a young talent who's sort of coming through uh, at that club, you know, and emerging. They've got a few others. Um, Noni Madawiki um, is a young English player. Uh, Madawiki is is sort of 18 years old, England youth international. And there's been a lot of talk about him, you know, where can he can he develop and that kind of thing in Dutch football. So, you know, we'll see if he features Donny O'Malley as well. Used to be at Arsenal, I believe, in their academy. He's 21 now. Uh, he's really sort of thriving at PSV, looking good. Um, Gakpo, again, is 21 as well. So, you know, they, they've always got a young team of a name, PSV, Ajax, those kind of clubs. They always have an emphasis on young talents. Um, there's a youngster called Mohamed Ihetaran, who is massively highly rated um, amongst those who sort of, you know, study youth football like I, like I tend to do. An 18-year-old. Not sure how much game time he'll get in this match, but if he comes off the bench, then definitely look out for him. He's really, really considered to be an excellent technician, a really creative player with a huge future. Um, I think defensively, maybe they can be got at. So from a reasonable point of view, you know, you, you never know. I think they can maybe disrupt them. Um, do you think it might be in another case? I mean, are Rosenborg any good at set pieces? Is it sort of thing that might, similar to Malmo, where they try and maybe target them at set pieces? Because I think PSV, the one thing you can guarantee is they're, they're quite good technically. They'll play that kind of passing style they'll they'll try to press they'll try to attack um and it's about maybe stopping them isn't it stopping them from getting on that carousel yeah i do actually think they're good from set pieces they've got a corner routine which has caught my eye this year it's like a corner that goes into the near post and someone either flicks it on into the middle of the area or actually heads it into the net so psv have got to watch out for that i just had a quick look at their squad now they've still got uh, the likes of hendrix their midfield he i'm sure you'll pull the strings <laughs> uh, and going back to Sangare, I mean, I, this is a player I follow strongly. I don't know why some of the bigger clubs in Europe don't actually make a move for someone like that. Nine million pounds, and guarantee you, he'll be sold for like double that, maybe 20, 30 million within a couple of years. He's that good. Um, so, very good sign for PSV. I don't know if he'll play in this game if he's even eligible, but I think there'll be goals here. I, it sounds like they can be got at. I've just looked at their uh, results, and they haven't kept a clean sheet yet this season. Even Mira managed to score against them. Heracles just drew one all at the weekend. Um, I think if I had to stick my neck out, I'd say something like 3 1 PSV, maybe even 3 2. But you'd think that the, the Dutch side will have too much offensively here. But I'm not one to underestimate Rosenborg. There you go, then. There's your prediction. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is a shorter episode. So we're going to wrap it up, really. I think that's about all we have to say for this week. Uh, this is a European bonus show. So make sure you get on it because if you don't, you're going to be too late. You got twenty four hours. Um, give yeah. a mention to the, the Faroe side, Claxvik, who yeah, were yeah. are against Dundalk um, away from home. I mean, this is a for both sides. This is a huge game, and um, you know, if if the Faroe side could make it through, it would be the first time uh, a club from their country has, has ever done that. Yeah, good point. And we featured before we wrap before we wrap up. We got obviously the, them to talk about and FC Copenhagen briefly as well, aren't they? Which you'll tell us, Steve, who they're going to play. But um, this is a massive game, and we had sort of a Jens Berglasku, who manages out in the Faroe Islands. We had him on a podcast earlier in the earlier in the year, 
which you can still download, you know, go to Nordic at Nordic Footpod on, on Twitter or go to iTunes or Spotify and go back through the archives, uh, probably about six or seven pods ago, maybe a really good interview with him about football in the Faroe Islands. So I'll be honest, this hasn't massively surprised me based on what he said in that interview. You know, he really talked up, uh, even though he's a Danishman himself, he really talked up football in the Faroe Islands and he really, he really bigged it up. And I've noticed a few things, Steve, they also, um, recorded i believe back-to-back wins in the nations league uh, i think for the first time in yeah, I saw maybe, that. maybe ever <laughs> um so there's a, something going on in faroe islands football at the moment yes yeah, but but just in terms of klaxvik you know this is a fishing town of five thousand people uh for a country ranked 107th in the world and if they go through they will be the first team to ever qualify for a major european competition from the faroe islands um so it's been billed as the biggest game in their history. It's been billed as one of the biggest games in the history of the Faroe Islands. Um, who have they got, Steve? And, you know, what's the, what are your comments? So they, they're away from home, sadly, um, in, in, in Ireland, uh, facing a side called Dundalk, who um, are actually not doing so well domestically. They're only fifth in their league at the minute um, after 11 games. Uh, Shamrock Rovers are absolutely running away with the Irish League right now. But it seems like there's two or three other sides better than Dundalk. Uh, now, Dundalk surprise in the last round by beating Sharif um, Tiraspol on penalties. Um, I looked at the stats for that game and I don't know how they've come away with with the win, really. Um, if it had been FC Sharif, I don't think Klaxvik would have had any chance, to be honest. But look, Dundalk away, I think it's a manageable game. Now, the Irish side are favourites. Um, I think they're like a 1.6 favourite. So the bookmakers expect them to win. But imagine the pressure on Dundalk here. Like, everyone... Is that the expectation is that oh, they'll beat aside from the Faroe Islands, won't they? Like that's huge pressure. Like I think Klaxvik will enjoy being the underdog. I mean, they shocked everyone in the last round by I think it was a five-one win against uh, aside from uh, Georgia. Um, six. six was it? I mean, that's unbelievable. That, that their odds for that game were so high. So they're doing something right. And there's another side from the Faroe Islands who who put up a very good fight. B thirty-six, I think it was. They've only got knocked out in the last round. I don't, I don't think that the Faroese football should be underestimated at, at the moment. And um, I think if this was in the Faroe Islands, I would actually make them favourites to qualify. I mean, it's going to be difficult, Dundalk, but I, it looks like they could definitely be facing t- tougher opposition from Ireland, um, Jonathan. So, you know what? I think it's going to be one of these games 50-50. Both fancy it. Both think they've got a chance. But the pressure's definitely more on, on Dundalk. Yeah, and as you mentioned, they beat Dinamo Tbilisi 6-1 in the last game, which is unbelievable, to be honest, you know, absolutely incredible, uh, as you've said there. And, you know, they're not even really the dominant force in in, in Faroese football at this moment in time. Uh, you know, they're currently sort of, I don't think they're top of the league, are they? So, um, you know, it really does speak a lot about the development of um, Faroese football at this moment in time. Yeah, they're second in the table. Seven points behind uh, HB Tour Seven, who we featured on on that show um, with interviewing their manager. Um, the seven points behind with with one game in hand, so you know they're in the title race, but you know they're not top of the league. And for them to be able to smash a Georgian team six one really, it really does say a lot. Um, so you know they were locked, they were knocked out three one by Young Boys in the Champions League, uh, but this is their chance to sort of maybe make it to the Europa League group stages where they could face you know the likes of Arsenal, Celtic, Rangers, Leicester. Um, you know, and it would be like you say, the first time in their history. So, 
massive good luck to KI Klaxvik. We'll be keeping an eye on that game as well, won't we, Steve? And, and wishing them all the very best. And before we go, there's one other team you're going to tell us about, uh, FC Copenhagen, aren't you? Uh, by the way, that Young Boys game, they only lost it 3-1. The Young Boys were something like minus three and a half handicap favourites in that game. So that was a heck of a performance. One player I just want to quickly talk about for Dundalk, Joshua Gatt, ex-Molder player. Used to be one of the quickest guys I've ever seen before he got bad injuries. Uh, now, there is another game, uh, FC Copenhagen against Rijeka from Croatia. Um, I really don't know much about Rijeka. Someone last year, I remember telling me they're not a bad outfit. Um, FC Copenhagen are, you would expect them to, to win this one. I think um, that's the, the sort of fixture that, that they will get through. And um, it's going to be, I'm going back to the Dundalk game, I, my prediction, I think it's going to go all the way. Extra time penalties, it just feels like that sort of fixture to me. And uh, let's just give one uh, final mention to the Finnish side involved. Uh, Cups, they are away to CFR Kludge in Romania. They're big underdogs. It's like 16 to 1 to win. So I'm, I don't get that. That seems a little bit disrespectful. Kludge aren't that good, are they? Um, but I mean, it looks like long odds for, for Cups to qualify, but you never know. They've still got, they're still in with a chance. Yeah, and to wrap it up, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of Scandinavian teams we've got to big up, isn't there, this week? I mean, we also have to say a massive congratulations to FC Michelin, who have made it to the Champions League group stage uh, for the first time. They will be in pot four, and they have every chance of playing the likes of Barcelona, Manchester United, Bayern Munich, you name it. Uh, they are through, and that is a huge achievement, isn't it, for Danish football as well. So, yeah, it's looking, looking bright, and maybe this time tomorrow there'll be a few more teams in the in the hat so keep an eye on Klaxvik I think that'll be a really exciting tie two teams you know even if Dundalk get through that's that's quite big for them isn't it in Irish football huge for them it would be huge for tonight yeah either way it's very lucrative um and then as we said Malmo you know Rosenborg and a few others who are looking to get through so yep I've enjoyed this sort of quick rapid fire preview show and I hope you have too yeah, hopefully we can uh, get, I think we're aiming to do a full uh, feature podcast uh, coming up this weekend. So look out early stages of next week for uh, a new episode from the Nordic Football Podcast. Perfect. So, yeah, I mean, from myself, uh, at JF Football on Twitter, F-U-T-B-O-L, the Spanish spelling, uh, and at Meatman Soccer as well to follow Steve. Um, you can catch us at Nordic Football on Twitter, and we will be bringing you, as we always do, coverage of Swedish and Norwegian football and we'll be back to review these matches and sort of give our comment on them and also talk about sort of domestic matters as well on the next show. So I think that's about it for now. Hit the subscribe button. Thank you to our Patreon supporters. We really value you. Um, you guys know who you are and we'll be giving you a shout out in the next show as well. So um, thanks for the love. We really appreciate it. And uh, anyone else who wants to you know, support us, you can head to patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast and take a little look and see if you'd fancy joining us for that as well. But um, that's it for this show, I think. Steve, have you got any big plans in the coming days? Will you be watching the games? I will be uh, watching them, yeah. 6pm um, is a bit of a mad time in this house sometimes. But, um, yeah, I'll be keeping my eye on those games uh, as much as I can. And then, uh, yeah, there's uh, one more round left before international break. So I'll be watching a bit of football, I'm sure, this week. But, uh, yeah, from this episode, uh, I'll say goodbye. Uh, take care, everyone. Stay safe. And um, hope to be with you again very soon. Thanks all and good luck to all the teams involved. Tomorrow we'll be backing you and we'll be supporting you as we watch the games. Thanks a lot and goodbye.